Yes, I I have been awake longer today than I've been in you know two day, two three days. <laughs> yeah, you're like a, <laughs> like a new man. How do you feel? I feel better. I feel better. I'm still dizzy. I mean, if you if you walking down the hall, I kept leaning in towards the wall at work today. Oh. <laughs> Everything just feels a little lopsided. Is it because you're drunk? Yeah, most likely. Yeah. I mean, I am most of the time. Well, and, and you know, I'd like to point out that I have been sick since last Thursday. Mm-hmm. But over the weekend, there was so much scotch. <laughs> I mean, when I was drinking scotch, my head didn't hurt at all. I mean, I feel like the medicinal properties of scotch are undisputed. They really are. They really are truly undisputed. <laughs> but, uh, you know, four hours of sobriety at the office on Monday, and that was all I could handle. Yeah, and look what happened. I thought I was, was going to die. <laughs> look what happens. Yeah, it is, no, it is an S no bueno. <laughs> All decks, all stations. This is the captain speaking. All decks, I must have your full attention. It is vital, absolutely vital, that you center your thoughts on your duty or on the welfare of Star Trek with Erin and Pauly. Think of giving some of your strength. Now, this is an order. You must try to do this. Captain Picard's right, y'all. Star Trek with Aaron and Polly needs your help. We need you to go out to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and give us a five-star review. Let the Alpha Quadrant know how much you enjoy this podcast. And now, attempt to concentrate completely on your duty of the moment. All decks, all stations, battle stations... Star Trek, our favorite frontier. These are the podcasts of Aaron and Polly, their ongoing mission to explore all things Trek, to seek out cool things and pick them apart, to boldly complain as no one's complained before. And this is Paul. And welcome to a slightly delayed episode of Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. I uh, I feel bad, Paul, because, you know, you've been there, you've been waiting, you've been ready to do this, and I have canceled on you, I think, no fewer than three times to get this episode recorded. Well, you know, I feel like we're not really delayed. Perhaps we're right on time. <laughs> I think there, there are some people out there in the internet who... Uh, would say otherwise. Well, I think I think there are some people who are expecting this Sunday night at the latest and uh, have been cussing us since then. Well, I, I, if you are genuinely disappointed that you haven't heard this episode yet, we apologize. But we're back. But wait, there's but there's more disappointment coming. Oh, because so. <laughs> now they have to listen yeah, to the episode. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I apologize. I have I have uh, ha- have been down with the funk. And uh, I, I am I am I am on the other side now. I I am on the mend. Got to have the fun. On the mend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was thinking down with the sickness. Oh, uh, 
Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, That's as good as it gets. <laughs> but you know what I'm not down with, Paul? Uh, I may be down with the sickness, but I am not down with CBS All Access releasing their Star Trek content out to the broadcast media. What the? I'm what? not down for that at all, Paul. That is some shenanigans. Well, and okay, it, you know, to be fair, we're only not down with it because we're paying for this entertainment right. that they're now about to offer for free. That's right. I'm paying for my crap, craptastic CBS All Access. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the news uh, recently released as of the time of this recording, so we wouldn't have been able to talk about it if we talked a couple of days ago anyway. Um, That's true. Is that the the rumor is I, – I, actually, I shouldn't even say rumor um, – the possibility exists. The possibility exists that CBS will look at releasing their paid entertainments on CBS All Access on broadcast television to take advantage of the advertiser fees and stuff like that and help make more money off of this existing programming. And help and help pay for the development of it, right? Yeah. I mean, because, yeah, we're talking about premium television here, y'all. It, it's not TV on the cheap. This is expensive stuff. You know, you, you don't get your, your black alert you know, paid for by your Mr. Coffee commercial. No, no, you get it from hard, hard one subscription fee. This isn't Star Trek Generations. There's no recycled footage up in this piece. That's that's right. They're up in this bitch, right? <laughs> up in I this mean, yeah. I mean, you know, we're talking we're talking about some 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 real live special effects. I mean, I know all those guys who are on Star Trek: The Next Generation are going, man. You know, if we'd had a little bit of that cash to roll around, maybe seasons one through three wouldn't have had to suck so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron's on fire <laughs> in fuego. <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, on the one hand, I understand their desire to, you know, defray some of those costs and maybe even uh, drum up some business for CBS All Access. And so, you know, they mentioned they've got two real properties right now on CBS All Access that are worth a darn. And, you know, one of those is Star Trek Discovery and the other is The Good Fight. And uh, while I think you could probably make a case for putting the good fight on broadcast television, other than the fact you'd have to cut it up quite a bit, because, boy, the language is rather rough on that show. Um, I I would be personally incensed if they put all of Star Trek Discovery on broadcast television. I mean, it would really put into jeopardy my subscription to CBS All Access. Well, you know... It- You'd basically be paying for the ability to see it earlier, right? You wouldn't be paying for the ability to see it. You just see it before they do on broadcast television, which honestly would would kind of upset me. And I, not from a, I don't know. It, it, it's weird. It's it's kind of like going to see a movie or buying a movie on Blu-ray instead of waiting for it to show up on television. But at the same time, like for me, like. While I want these these programs to find the widest audience possible so that they can succeed, so that they can get paid for, so that we can get more of them, like, I'd be pissed if I paid for something that, like, they gave away for free as soon as I was done paying for it. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I wouldn't have a problem with them doing what they did in the first season, putting the first episode up, you know, to maybe drum up some subscribers, but not the entire season. Agreed. Yeah, much you agreed. Know. I just there's something about that that bugs me, and you know part of it is, hey, you know, I uh, I did the hard work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. I I I I continued to pay for a subscription when no fresh content was being generated. You know, I, I and I feel like 
those are the those are the uh, subscribers you really don't want to tick off. And, well, at uh, the same time, like to be fair, early adopters typically are the ones screwed over. You know, yeah. you, you if you bought a 4K TV a couple of years back when you paid fifteen thousand or ten thousand dollars for it, you know, you, you may be a little pissed that those are now available for three hundred dollars. That kind of thing, <laughs> right? Or the uh, Blu-ray machine that cost fifteen hundred dollars back in the day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I hear you. I just, boy, I, that just doesn't, uh, I don't think it supports their ongoing dynamic of a robust subscriber base. I don't think the, the, the way to get this done is to give it all away. I think the, the way to get this done is to continue generating fresh and interesting content, you know, like Netflix does, like Hulu does. I agree. You know, and, and, you know, who knows what Netflix is going to do. There's a lot of suspicion around why they're canceling so much lately. But, you know, they're also investing in a lot of new programming as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, elsewhere in Star Trek news, we saw news that uh, Kelvin Universe's uh, Mr. Spock, otherwise known as Zach Quinto, has expressed interest in pursuing and continuing on with Star Trek IV without Mr. Christopher Pine, uh, also known as Captain Kirk. Well, I mean, who? I, I don't disagree. Screw Christopher Pine. Screw you. Yeah. I mean, he, he did mention that he hoped that something could be worked out. You know, Chris Pine having uh, said, you know, you got you got to stick to the original deal. I'm not willing to take a cut and pay to, to make this film. But, you know, Paul, it put me in mind... What if we were writing the Kelvin Universe Star Trek Four? And I gotta tell you, I would I would I would write it without Captain Kirk. I would put Mister Spock in command of the all new USS Enterprise, and uh, with his you know wife, perhaps uh, you know uh, commanding officer, not commanding officer, a first officer uh, uh, Uhura on the bridge, or make oh. Sulu first officer. You know, I mean, I would, I would, I would use that alternate universe as an opportunity to do something completely fresh and new. I would, I would be absolutely down for a Captain Spock USS Enterprise. You know, I, I don't disagree with that idea. I think that'd be a great idea. Captain, Captain Spock Enterprise. It would bring that territory. It's a supposedly a different universe, right? Mm -hmm, Uh, You know, it would genuinely bring it to new, new territory that we haven't seen before we've not seen spock uh as a captain of a ship uh you know we we have seen sulu as the captain of a ship which honestly i would also be okay with um you know i'd also be okay with something more you know chris pine they can't afford chris pine as part of an ensemble cast well you know perhaps a captain kirk solo adventure no no you don't need that ah, <laughs> <laughs> You know, if, if 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 Chris Pine is not affordable as part of you know a Star Trek motion picture because they're paying everybody else, well, why not just a Captain Kirk film? Perhaps you can have two separate films: a search for Kirk and uh, a, a what what Kirk was up to while they were searching for him type thing. Um, you know, I think the the Kelvin verse is suffering under the weight of losing a captain and, of course, Anton Yelchin, but there's still so much left in that property. And you know, I don't. I, I would. I, I I would like to see you know in that Captain Spock show. Yeah, yeah, my initial thought was you you kill off Captain Kirk and just make it wholly his own. But you could promote him off screen to, to his admiralty, as happened in the uh, you know original universe, 
and you know have have Spock take command of the ship, but it's not a training ship. It's an actual full on you know uh, USS Enterprise, Constitution class vessel out there in the in in the universe doing its thing with a whole new crew. I think you can make that super exciting. You promoted the Kirk character off stage, and if you're able ever able to settle. The agreement, you bring Kirk back. Or maybe you do that, like you're talking about, that separate Kirk story, you know, yeah. uh, independent of the uh, of the Spock story. Because I don't think you kill Captain Kirk. I don't think you kill Chris oh, Pine. Oh, I'd kill him hard. <laughs> I think I'd kill him again and again <laughs> and again, Paul. Now, now. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I do think that you, you don't recast. I do think you just write the character off somehow with an opportunity to bring him back as needed. Um, especially if the film does well, you, you know, when we first started having this conversation off the mics, uh, I was like, well, maybe you just do a different crew. Like there's so much to do in that Star Trek universe. Why don't you just bring in a new crew? Do us, do a Kelvin verse, deep space nine, do a Kelvin verse, uh, next generation. But all of that essentially just feels like, you know, rebooting retreads, retreads right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, so how do you bring something fresh and original to the property, especially with Discovery already kind of doing a bit of that with the focus on Section 31 and and that kind of stuff? And and I think that's a, a, a tricky territory when it comes to bringing people into the theaters. I think people are more forgiving of experimentation in a television show, uh, especially a paid service television show until it's aired for free on broadcast TV. Um, (laughs) I think when it comes to movies, you need characters that people will recognize, even if the actors have changed. And so I think your idea of a a Spock led ship, there are many, there are a bunch of different characters on that. And quite frankly, let's be honest in every review of all of, of the movies um, other than the first one, it's pretty much emphasized that the, supporting cast carries those movies anyway you know yeah. chris pine he plays kirk like he you know he it's just a dude right like he like there's nothing memorable about chris pine's portrayal of captain kirk and that's not to to take away from it i enjoy his portrayal i just don't think like the memorable moments are typically between spock and bones or you know uh anton yelchin sulu you know he needs a little more meat to play with, but I think you know. I think there's enough in those other characters to to provide that focus. No, I agree. I agree. And you know, to your point, I think that you can do something bold and fresh in a film and have it be forgiving. Be, have it be forgiven if you do it well. I mean, as we saw in Star Trek 2009, you know that that movie really kind of defied expectations in that it was much more enjoyable. And and a better story than I think a lot of people were expecting, particularly Star Trek fans. Um, I I really like Star Trek 2009, and I think Chris Pine did did an admirable job, did as good a job as anybody could in you know recreating that Kirk character. But I, unlike the original series Star Trek, I don't think Kirk is a required character for the Kelvin universe. I don't disagree. Yeah, and I think you could go off and do anything. And again, I think that Zach Quinto Spock. Uh, much like Leonard Nimoy in the original series is kind of the standout character. If you got Zach Quinto ready to make that movie, you let him make that movie. You you write yourself a Captain Spock story and and again have him marry Uhura, make Sulu his his uh, number one. Uh, do do some unusual things, do some things that we've always kind of wanted to see in original series Star Trek that we'd never got to see. I think that would be really exciting. Plus, you know, you've got that that uh, 
whole element in the Kelvin universe where Spock is a little bit more in touch with his human feelings than Spock in the original series. So it gives you a really wide range of stories you can tell versus just this guy trying to get in touch with his human side. You know, I'd say that is one fault of the Kelvin verse is that it doesn't, you know, none of the movies off the top of my head seem to lend themselves to an opportunity to really, um, branch out, right? Like there, there, none of them have like, Oh, that would be awesome. I'd love to see a movie about those characters or that concept. Uh, you know, none of them really well, set up that type of property. Don't you feel like star Trek beyond was the first one that really kind of did that because you had the, uh, the new alien lady who, you know, went off and joined Starfleet at the end of the film. Oh, well, there's that. Yeah. Um, Jayla, I think. Whatever. Whatever her name is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, I mean, that was really kind of the first time they they kind of created something that wasn't necessarily going to, you know, just be discarded or, uh, you know, be absorbed into the crew. This is something new. This was something that, that, that could show up elsewhere. Uh, it was the it was the first time they really kind of created something whole cloth, and that's what made her interesting. We'd never seen her character before. We'd never seen her race before. Yeah, that was interesting. Regardless, so, I think anyway. it would be. It's a shame that basically at this point, you know, there's still talk that this Quentin Tarantino thing is going to happen, but we don't have any actively being worked on to the general public's knowledge, Star Trek films. There's nothing in front of the cameras right now for, for at least. And that's crazy to me. It's stupid. You know, Star Trek right now is more relevant than it's been. I would say discovery is more relevant in the media than enterprise was, um, in, in in, in most of its runs. So Star Trek has been, you know, it's it's basically as relevant as it's been in at least 10, 15 years. So, you know, I, I think they need to take advantage of that, and and I know they're they seem to be struggling right now, and there's no plans that I'm aware of or that they've announced to bring that Star Trek four to fruition. But I don't know why they can't. There seems to be some way, even if I mean, I don't get me wrong. I will readily admit that I'm not going to write an award winning screenplay, um, but I, I I feel like there are people out there who can crack that egg. And uh, and get to, and get to that story, and hopefully yeah, no, they can find that. I agree, I agree. So you know, I, I feel like what we're saying is here is that you know you need to make Paul and I producers on the next uh, yeah. uh, Kelvin Universe Star Trek film. Mm-hmm. We got this. We got this covered. Yeah, we got. I mean, easily. I we can yeah. we can certainly. I can spit out some shit for sure, and just yeah. you know someone can polish it. <laughs> polish and it you know it it was and you know as you're saying, Paul, it wouldn't be perfect. It might be as you as one might characterize as imperfect, making us the saints of imperfection. Bam! <laughs> Twenty minutes we've been setting up that joke. <laughs> so, uh, Star Trek Discovery season two, episode five, Cinco. Yes, yeah, uh, episode five, Saints of Imperfection, in which uh, some startling stuff occurs. Hey, but you know what? I, I will. Well, you know what doesn't happen? What doesn't I, happen? I, oh, we don't we don't meet Spock. <laughs> we we still don't meet Spock. Yeah, we continue to move the cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Did you want this cheese, your little Spock cheese? Not in episode five. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no that that's super irritating. But I gotta tell you, and I won't spoil it here just yet. But oh, it's coming. Oh. 
there's something that happens in this episode that I really feel like they earned. I uh-huh. truly feel like they earned. And uh, we'll get there in just oh, a moment. But, yeah, okay. <laughs> but, but you know, in this episode, it's it's the, the hunt, it's in search of Tilly. Yeah. Right? Because uh, at the end of the last episode, Tilly got, uh, got t- transported out of our universe and into the mycelial network via the, the big spongy cocoon uh, on the floor of engineering. So, uh, or I, I don't think that's actually engineering. I think that's the spore drive lab. But, uh, uh, so, you know, she went, she went missing. So the way we solve this particular problem is that we've got to wedge the discovery halfway into mycelial space and halfway into normal space, which, as you might imagine, Paul, is no good for the USS Discovery. No, not it's, at all. It's really, it's really bad. It's, it's, you it's don't the want, opposite you don't of want good. That. Yeah, it, it is really bad. You don't want that. But, uh, you know, meanwhile, um, Burnham... Uh, meets uh, the the new liaison to USS Discovery from Section Thirty One, one Mister Ash Tyler. Yes, and he that go ahead that she that she thought was on Kronos, right? So this mm-hmm. is all news to her, mm-hmm. and he just in, in a brief few words explains, "Yeah, I'm not going. I'm not going back to Kronos. I can never go back to Kronos. It's a long story. I can't talk about it." Yeah, that's basically how that conversation goes. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, he gets, uh, you know, long story short, he winds up getting assigned to uh, Discovery, even though Captain Pike is not really wild about having this guy on his ship because that guy killed Dr. Culber. Yes. And he's also, you know, um, he is aware that Burnham is hiding something from him in relation to uh, Georgiou. You know, because yeah, Giorgio yeah. is is introduced and and they are aware of each other, they know each other, and um, but it's not the Giorgio he knows. Yeah, she doesn't seem to be the Giorgio he knows. You know, she's changed a lot. Um, of course, you know he is unaware that she's from the mirror universe. Mm-hmm. So so there's that. You know, it, it it strikes me as weird. Did they not widely publish the fact that Giorgio died at uh, the Battle of the Binary Stars? Um, well, she didn't. Oh yeah, yeah she, she did. She, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, they did. But remember, she they, they she said that she didn't. The Klingons just captured her. Blah blah blah. Like that oh, was that's the whole right. thing. Then they covered it up. So yeah. But you know, you think everyone's going, well, man, how was that being captured by Klingons and everything? Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's. I mean, I mean, shouldn't he have attributed that to uh, you know her 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 change in character as well? You know, that being being captured by Klingons that really messed her up. I guess that's what I think I would have done. Yeah. Exactly. But uh, it's just kind of a weird conversation. But, you know, uh, what I liked is when she comes step because they 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 encounter uh, Captain former, uh, you know, Captain Giorgio, you know, of the or uh, Emperor Giorgio of the mirror universe. Uh, she's in the shuttle that they've been chasing that they thought Spock was in. Right. And so she she disembarks and everyone's got their phasers because they think it's going to be renegade murder and Spock coming off that shuttle and it winds up being Giorgio and everybody else drops their phasers except for Burnham, you know, who's really thinking about just phasering her down, which, you know, was not lost on uh, Captain Pike, Yeah, which leads Pike to going, Hey, I know something's going on here. And she's like, yeah, you are totally right. There is something going on here. I'm going to need some time. Yeah. I'll tell you about it later. Yeah. And he says, don't make me come looking for you. Bitches. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, he, we know that she's she's going to have to tell him something. 
And, you know, I don't think that she's got the appetite to lie anymore to her commanding officer. So I think at some point she's going to come clean. Yeah, I do think we'll see that conversation happen. I think, uh, you know, Pike is – I, I hope we see that conversation happen. Yeah. It, yeah, it, I I feel like um, if there's anything this episode has taught me is that either they're playing the long game here in some story threads um, – or you know they're 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 doing a damn good job of of hiding that they're making it up as they go along. <laughs> I think they're playing the long game. Yeah, because this plays very much into some. This episode plays very much, and and uh, it seems like basically this entire season, at least one story thread of it that started in the last season with this um this fungus, the spore that that dropped on that Tilly. dropped onto Tilly. Has yeah. been setting up and is ultimately that storyline is is ultimately kind of resolved in the content of this episode. Right. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it certainly feels like this has been the plan all along, at least, you know, from from this point of view. Well, it feels that way anyway. But uh, so, you know, meanwhile, in the mycelial network, Tilly has been freed from the cocoon on that side of things. And, uh, you know, meets May again. If you'll recall, May is the uh, sentient spore that inhabited uh, Tilly back in season one. And, you know, under the what appears to be under the influence of the uh, dark matter that struck Tilly earlier this season has, uh, you know, enabled it to be to, you know, adopt a a human shape stolen from uh, Tilly's memory. So uh, May the intelligent fungus has enlisted Tilly to help her defeat a monster, their word, not mine, uh, (laughs) that is, you know, has been unleashed onto the mycelial network. And Paul, that monster, it's right there with them. It's right there. The monster is going to get him. What? I mean, that was clear, right? I mean, the monster is totally going to get him. It's, it's, uh, it's destroying the mycelial uh, spores, you know, all these little intelligent beings that we didn't know were actually intelligent. They are, and it's, it's destroying them. It's very touch. The monster's very touch disrupts them and kills them. It's, all, it's a bad, bad scene, Paul. It is. It is. But, but. <laughs> so Discovery, as we said before, wedges itself in between the spaces. So part of it is in the mycelial uh, network and the other part of it is in normal space. And it's just tearing the hell out of discovery. Uh, But it allows Stamets and Burnham to go looking for Tilly. Tilly sees it crash into the mycelial system and rushes onto the ship because, Hey, we can get guns to fight this monster. And long story short, the monster is Dr. Culber. And I gotta t- and I gotta tell you, Paul, this felt so earned. It did. This it I, I, at no point like oh come on. I never did that. I mean, I was just like, I, this is so great. And there was even that moment when you know every, we're sorting everything out, and it's like you know, Culber actually pulled. We find out you know at the end of season one, Col- uh, Stamets actually pulled Culber into the network, pulled his life force, if you will. And so, as they're as they're all saying, okay, well, if Culber's fucking up the mycelial network, we'll just take Culber home with us. And so, when they when they look to go back to normal space, Culber can't cross because he's just energy. You know, he's not a life form. 
And the, 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 their solution to that is to use the cocoon that May had constructed to move uh, Tilly from normal space to mycelial space. And all that works. And I mean, I was absolutely fine with every part of that because, again, it felt so earned. It felt like they had they had laid the groundwork there. We had encountered Culber in uh, you know w- what we thought were perhaps Stamets's dreams, but it was you know part of the the mycelial network. Uh, Stamets had difficulty finding Culber uh, previously when he when he uh, uh, did the mycelial spore jump. Um, I. I, I just this all of this felt really earned to me. I felt like they had done a terrific job laying the groundwork for it, and I'm just thrilled that he's back. Yeah, it was. I always liked Culver. I did too, you know, and it felt like smart writing to me. And I'm sure it did. You know what we'll see with this character is I, I would be surprised if he just comes back whole hog, right? I'm sure they'll. Oh no, you know, he's got to be fucked up. Yeah, right? of, of some in yeah. some way, shape, or form. Yeah. No, hopefully not. Like it would be great to see that story continue and happiness and all that kind of stuff. And and maybe he's promoted to chief medical officer, whatever. But uh, you know, I, I do. I, I do think that the elegant, the the elegant, the episode was intelligently written. Um, I think it, it it for me added extra oomph to what I felt were were some of the the lackluster aspects of of season one. Right, there are yeah. things in season one like I didn't. I think we talked about the season finale um, previously. Oh no, we we had talked about aspects of the of the previous season that we just you know we're like hmm. Eh. Um, but and and one of them was like this this death of of Culver. Like oh well, you know, like they they set up this whole thread, um, you know, the same sex couple, and we liked the characters, and then they kill them, and it's like why that like that that seems like mistreatment of of that relationship, and like it it's really. Really, for me, whether it was or not, and it feels like it was now, it's all been set up for this, and uh, I, I'm I, I really enjoyed that that reunion and uh, the payoff of that story thread. Yeah, I did too. I mean, I can't I can't think of a time where something like this was laid down in the story that I was so satisfied with the execution of it. I mean, I just had a big dumb grin grin on my face when the episode was done. Well, you know, I think what this tells us, Aaron, is that it'll be season three before we see Spock. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll see him. Do you remember uh, Star Trek The Next Generation when they had the big uh, Romulan reveal? That Ambassador Spock was on Romulus, yeah. and it was just Spock stepping out of the shadows at the very end to greet Captain Picard. Yeah. <laughs> That's what this will be. Yeah, at the very end of the season. <laughs> so, you know, there's a fan theory going around, since we're talking about Spock, that the Red Angel may be future Spock. Like from uh, the destruction of Romulus? Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, the destruction of Romulus, they, they had hinted that the, that there's time travel involved with the Red Angel, obviously. You know, the Red Angel was in the past, he's in the present, like, what's going on with the Red Angel? And, you know, with the destruction of Romulus and Spock dying in the Kelvinverse, there's this fan theory that Spock, uh, you know, as an homage to the late Leonard Nimoy, um, you know, and, and the recasting of that role uh, with um, I don't remember the, the the guy's name. I know his last name's Peck, um, Ethan Peck as Spock. That you know they, that the the Red Angel itself would be Spock, because the Red Angel at this point has been at, at terrible things, but we've seen that uh, the motives of the Red Angel, at least 
currently all seem to be good, saving people right. from tragedy. So there's something benevolent about this creature that we just haven't, you know, we don't know what it is yet. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he would appear as a red angel, but I, I'm willing to uh, to consider this this hypothesis as it were. Yeah, I guess we'll find out. The Discovery crew may finally come face to face with the red angel in episode ten, which is titled "The Red Angel" and premieres on March 21st. So we have huh. new episodes of Star Trek Discovery um, from now until March 28th, uh, which is the episode titled "Perpetual Infinity." Uh, I think there there are more episodes. Um, I think there are 14 episodes in uh, the third season, and I don't know if there's going to be a break or if they'll just keep going through. But the next episode that premieres on February 28th will be titled Light and Shadows. Very exciting. You know, Paul, I, uh, I, I have a theory that we have met Discovery's new captain. Because, you know, Captain Pike's just temporary. Yes. And I, I think that we have met the new captain of USS Discovery. And and my thought is that it is Captain Pike's number one from USS Enterprise played by uh, Rebecca Romaine. Um, I, 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 it feels, she feels like too big of a casting to not give her a really big juicy role. I don't disagree, especially since, you know, she, at this point we've only seen about a, two minutes of her. Um, right. I, I would like to see more of that character. It, I really hope they do something with her. And to your point, yes, it's too big of a casting to, to just let it go by the wayside. We know it's not going to be Pike. Um, and I think here, you follow I'm, me. I'm following. It's big, right? It's, you know, Rebecca Romaine as number one, but it's bigger than that, Paul. This is a backdoor crossover to Star Trek versus X-Men because she's not Rebecca Romaine. She's that blue changeling girl. She's (laughs) Mystique. Mystique. Yeah. Yeah. She's 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 Mystique as number one, not Rebecca Romaine as number one. That's how this shit's going down. It all makes sense now. It all makes sense. All connected. This has all happened before. It will all happen again. It will all happen again. That is, that is absolutely uh, let's, let's just mention every franchise. <laughs> well, again, sorry we were late on this one, but uh, we should be back on track with the next episode. And, hey, we appreciate uh, those of you who have gone out and given us a, a review on iTunes. We do appreciate it. We do need it. So if you haven't yet gone out and given us a five-star re- review on Apple Podcasts, Go out and do that right now. And leave us a voicemail at 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. And you can hit us up on Twitter at Ideology Madness, Facebook or Instagram, IOM Geek. And let us know your thoughts about this week's episode. Let us know your thoughts about anything. I mean, really, anything. I mean, you know, if you're having a backed-up toilet problem, you, you can probably let us know that, too. We like hearing from you, regardless Paul, of the issue. Paul really wants to know about that. I really do. That's kind, it's kind of his thing. I mean, I care. I do. I mean, I yeah, can't do anything about it, but I want to know. Yeah. Don't send pictures. Just tell me about it. Definitely do not send <laughs> Do <pictures>. not. <laughs> but thank you guys for listening. We will talk to you in the next episode. Thanks a bunch. Star Trek with Aaron and Polly is a production of IOMGeek.com. Have a question or comment? Hailing frequencies are open at 972-763-5903. Tribble wrangling provided by Triskelion Trays. No troublesome tribbles. 
Mr. Aponte's wardrobe provided courtesy of Garrick's Clothiers, conveniently located on the promenade.